0: Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for For the the most die-hard Georgia Georgia fans in the country. country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler and joining me today in the Glory UGA home studio for part one of our postseason mailbag is my co-host Charlie and before we get to all the questions today we'll get to those I promise but we do have a champion to crown for our season-long pick duel between Charlie and I those of you who have been with us all season long you know that Charlie started off strong got off to a quick lead in the straight up picks really from I think it was the very first week right Charlie
1: I think so yeah. yeah you took
0: the lead from the very get-go she you claimed luck but you were really just hustling me weren't you you're hustling me. It's okay. You know. All right. You trying to get my guard down. It's all good because you just you just would not relinquish that lead for the longest time. And as the season wore on and on, I kept taking chances. You know me. I like to go for those upset special picks, and it worked out sometimes. Sometimes not so much. And Charlie just kept building on that lead, and it was bleak for me. Down four in the straight up picks going into the final week of the regular season, but your boy did what some thought could not be done, as Larry Munson once said, "I was gone." I gave up. You did too. I was out of it and gone, but just as the dogs did on that day in Jacksonville back in 1980, after the numbers were in and counted, I came back from the dead and pulled out the improbable one game victory over Charlie in the straight up standings. Charlie, I'm sorry. I hate to do it to you. I finished 77 and 38 to Charlie's 76 and 39. It was the Orange Bowl late on Saturday night. Literally the last, like do you count as the last bowl game this season? Do you count the national championship game as a bowl game?
1: I want a recount.
0: A recount? I do. A recount. Yeah. So you're claiming that I'm fraudulent? I just,
1: you know, you wanted to change your pick.
0: Well, oh, okay. You talked about the Florida game. You wanted to change that
1: was, another pick.
0: But I didn't. No, no, no. You know. You, no, you asked it, me. Because on the show, I said, I'm going to pick Auburn if Tank Bixby plays. And then you said, you texted me when we found out that he wasn't playing. so do you want to change your pick now? And what did I say? I said, no, I'm not changing my pit because I could not put it on the show. I changed my Florida pit because there was still time to record an episode and let all of our wonderful listeners know that I was not trying to pull something shady and you gave me your official approval. So you can't go back on it now. You had your chance.
1: I just find it hard to believe that it's that close.
0: Oh, so you're saying that I should be embarrassed because I, mean, I, almost, I, did, I almost lost I to you? I didn't
1: count it up. I trusted you this season to count correctly.
0: There is certainly a but chance that I miscounted. math.
1: That's what I'm saying. Well,
0: okay, I'm not great at like like out like advanced algebra, but basic addition, subtraction, I can handle I mean, that. mean,
1: first off, you had this in a Google Doc.
0: I have it in a spreadsheet. So you, feel so, free, it's all the are in the spreadsheet. a
1: spreadsheet cuz you could have set up an equation to do the math for you and it would have kept track of all of it all season.
0: It was just easier for me to do a Google Doc with tables and but, easy. But
1: then I'm relying on your counting, so I think I might. Well, feel need free. To go there, back all those table, all, all the
0: tables, that. all everything is still in there in in the doc.
1: The tables. The tables, yes, yes the because, tables for each because week because you did it in a Google Doc instead of a spreadsheet.
0: But a spreadsheet for the entire season the would have been far you. too complex for me. You just for put my, a
1: 1 for a yeah, W I, I, and, a nothing, and leave it lost blank. Yeah,
0: I know. I could have I could have done that, but I'm just more familiar and more comfortable with a Google Docs. <laughs> so therefore, we did it on Google Old Docs.
1: Old man.
0: So what? It worked. It's all right, okay. All you the won. picks are still up there. Every we'll week, go Go, go, go recap. I, I, I will authorize an official recount. I'll go back and count. I will not obstruct you. Kay. Go right ahead. And Thank you will you. find out that my math is impeccable. My basic, basic addition basic and subtraction. Counting. I can do it. I promise I can do it. But as of right now, we'll, we'll say there's going to be a recount. I guess we'll have the official official results after the recount next week. But as of right now, with the, official, with the initial count, I came out one game ahead after the North Carolina and Texas A&M game and the Orange Bowl. It really was. It was awesome. It was It was a tight contest. Came all the way down to the final game of the bowl season. When that game came down to the final drives there, so, Charlie, you did a great job. You were definitely a worthy adversary, let's say that. You almost did this. Like, you, I thought you were going to win. And you were going to hold this over my head for an entire year.
1: Yeah, you know. I
0: was convinced you were going to beat me. But I some. wouldn't
1: do that.
0: But I, the bowl, like, North Carolina, when they had all those people out, I, I, when you picked them, I said, like, I want to win now. I'm going to win because she just picked North well, Carolina. Well,
1: all picked the same thing. But you played to the win the same game. same teams.
0: You gotta be intellectually honest. Pick the team you think's gonna win. If that means yeah, that but the same... it also
1: needs to be interesting for the people. Yes, who are listening. but
0: our listeners want us to give them winners. So
1: they probably got a great kick out of making fun of me for choosing North Carolina, and I'm okay. I mean, they that. almost
0: won the game. Like I, I should not make fun of you, but like with all like if they were healthy and then well and didn't have all their players opting out, I think they probably would have won that game. I would have picked them. I'm with you, but they had too many key players on offense opting out, and that's what made that team good. So I just couldn't pull the trigger on them. It wasn't a bad pick. I just I just felt like they were gonna lose that game. And I actually did put money on 8M and one and little cash there. But great job. you were a worthy adversary. It was a lot of fun. We really did have a ton of fun doing these episodes all year long. We hope you guys enjoyed those episodes, those picks episodes to wrap up the week as much as we enjoyed recording them. I once again did miss on Georgia covering the spread. I just could not figure us out when it came to the spread this year. I just couldn't do it. I thought I thought for sure we were gonna win that game pretty comfortably against Cincinnati. Like i like by 10 points or so and that didn't happen i almost died seven different times during that game so i'm just glad i'm still here with us among the living but uh, we really enjoyed that hope you guys did too we're definitely gonna do that again next year and hopefully make those episodes even bigger and better for you guys but today we do have some questions to answer charlie will report back next week with the official recount um, originally, we had just planned to do one postseason mailbag episode this week, but with all the news that has hit this week with players declaring for the draft, some saying they're coming back, which is great news. Oh, and I don't know, a new athletic director being named today. There were some topics and questions that just merited to maybe a little bit more in-depth discussion than some of the others. So we're going to start with those questions today, especially those questions that relate more directly to the news that came out this week so that we can cover them in a timely manner. So I'm a uh, Turn things over to Charlie. Where are we starting, Charlie?
1: All right, we're starting with the news coming out of the athletic department, where Josh Brooks was named the new athletic director today. Um, I know you were in favor of his hiring when McGarry. Well, who is this
0: question from? You just oh, started. You just started God. talking. So this is an well, actual it was question. An
1: intro, it was an intro. Oh, okay. Direction. I thought.
0: Okay. Well, the, the question that was sitting I know, was very similar to that intro. Okay. So, uh, sorry. Bye bye I'll I let you get to the Got actual it. question Got it. part. I'm backing off.
1: Let me do my job. Hands off, hands off. Yeah. So I know you came out in favor of his hiring when McGarity first announced his retirement a few months ago. I did. Which now he's the president and CEO of the Gator Bowl. Yeah. Cush job.
0: Well that's what you do. Like the A D job it's a day to day to day job. I mean, you're in the you're yeah. right there in the thick of things. The the Gator Bowl job is like you work a couple you know, a couple weeks a year, you get to live in I mean, you don't have to live in Florida, but I'm sure you'll probably live somewhere on the beach and it's a nice cushy yeah. job. You get a nice paycheck for doing fraction of the work you were doing
1: yeah but anyways Scott our listener Scott okay would like to know if he's really the best an athletic department like Georgia can do Scott thinks that UGA is one of the top athletic departments in the country and can't help but wonder if we have missed out on an opportunity to hire one of the top athletic administrators in the country and personally I wonder if the search committee even like looked at other resumes
0: I'm like they have sure to, they did. They
1: have to put post the job it. out there right. and post it, but I wonder if they even took the time to look.
0: I think Josh Brooks was probably the leader in the clubhouse from the very get-go. The plan was probably to hire him, unless there was like some horrible skeleton in his closet they had not uncovered yet, or unless there was another candidate that just like blew their minds and expressed some interest. But I think it was probably Josh's job to lose from the get-go, just um, from what I've heard from some people around town here in Athens. Um, look, I... I do understand where you're coming from here, Scott. Uh, but, but the last part of that question there, like, uh, you wonder if we've missed out an opportunity to hire one of the top athletic administrators in the country. That's fair. I, I'm not going to dismiss that. But my response to that would be, how do we know that Josh Brooks is not one of the top athletic administrators in the country? No, he has not had a Power 5 athletic director job, which is a certainly a fair criticism of this hire. That is a fair criticism. Of course, ideally, you'd want a guy that has some Power 5 experience. That makes sense but just because he ha- doesn't have power five experience doesn't mean that he's not going to be a superstar. I mean, I, I can tell you, um, Josh Brooks is a rising superstar in this profession. There's a lot of people think extraordinarily highly of him as an athletic administrator, and he does have a lot of experience. And, I- and I'll say that, like, yes, there are some legitimate concerns, okay? When you're hiring a guy as your athletic director out of Power 5, a major program, one of the top money makers. I think we were second behind Texas Uh, in terms of being the richest college football programs that was according I think it was 247 Sports that released that that information and and that that was based on gross revenue we had I think it was 123 million dollars of gross revenue last year so we are one of the wealthiest one of the richest programs in all of America so I understand like yeah you want a guy with experience ideally heading up a program of that caliber with that kind of money coming to the program I understand that Josh has not done this before at this level but I'll also say neither had Greg McGarity before taking over. He, remember, he was a deputy at Florida, right? He was a deputy AD under Jeremy Foley at Florida. He had never run a Power 5 program before taking the job here at Georgia. We hired a guy that knew the landscape here in Georgia, that had some relationships with the people here in Athens, and we felt like that was the best hire to go. Because remember, McGarity was a rising star in the profession back then when we hired McGarity. Now, if he was a little bit older than Josh Brooks is right now, but he was a rising superstar in that profession. That was his reputation. And and there were some f- things to criticize him fairly about when he first took the job. I think McGarity really grew into the job and uh, became a very good athletic director by the time it was all said and done. Some of the things that we criticized him for, like the rainy day fund, the reserve fund, it actually turned out to be a blessing uh, when it was all said and done when come with, with, with obviously the pandemic hitting. That was something that we had a lot of criticism for for a while, just kind of on that cash and not putting it back into programs. And it actually turned out that that was ultimately the right move so we've seen before here in Athens with our program a guy that had no experience running a power five program turned out to be a pretty good athletic director that's highly respected in this profession so it's been done before it's been done before here and I don't see any reason why Josh Brooks can't be that guy I guess what I would say is like just because you haven't done it before doesn't mean you won't be great at it like let's let's not forget guys once upon a time right Charlie Nick Saban was a first year head coach right yeah Now, when he was a first-year head coach, I think he was actually at Toledo, and I think he was the head coach there in 1990, but certainly was the head coach at Michigan State, then LSU, then Miami, then Alabama, right? Well, when he was the first-year head coach, he might not be that version of Nick Saban that he is today, but even the great Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach in the history of college football, started out as a first-time head coach somewhere, and then he became great. And I think you could say the same thing about Josh Brooks. Maybe he won't be the version that he's going to be 10 years down the road from day one, but he has been very well prepared for it. And just because you haven't done it before doesn't mean you won't be great at it. All the great ones have to start somewhere at some point. And I'll also say this for Josh Brooks. No, he has not done it at the Power 5 level. He's never been a Power 5 AD, but he has been an athletic director before. Yes, it was Division Three. He did a smaller level at Millsaps College in Mississippi. But even though it's not the Georgia job, a lot of the concepts and things that you have to do as a Georgia AD in the Millsaps AD, there, there there's some similarities there: building relationships, fundraising, managing a staff. Certainly, it's at a higher level at, at Georgia in, in, a, in a larger scale, no doubt about it. But it's not as though he has no experience doing a lot of things that he's going to have to do well here at Georgia. And you also think about like what is the role of athletic directors? Like what do athletic directors really actually do when you get down to it? Well, number one, they got to raise money, right? They fundraise. They got to interact with boosters, which kind of goes hand in hand with fundraising. You're interacting with those boosters, building those, building those relationships, so that you can get money from them that can help your program grow and sustain and and get better. All those things, right? You have to plan and oversee facilities projects. You got to hire and find Hire coaches, all those kind of things. So let's say of those areas, things that athletic directors actually do, like what their roles are. Josh has done all of those. He's got experience at pretty much all of those, except I guess hiring and firing coaches at Millsaps, but not the Power Five level. But like fundraising when he was at Millsaps, yeah, I know it's Division Three, but he oversaw a 150 percent increase in major club donations while he was at Millsaps. He has the relationships here in Athens with the Boosters currently that really keep this program afloat financially. He has those relationships built in. He understands how it works. He understands the landscape of Athens and the University of Georgia overseeing facilities projects. I mean, this guy's been responsible for the development and management of facilities projects here in Athens once he became the deputy AD.
1: Hey, think we'll get an indoor tennis facility?
0: I hope, but it, I mean, that's not the, is that going to be the, is that ever going to be the priority? It,
1: no but it shouldn't I, I wish programs I,
0: mean, two, I would say two of the most consistent programs yeah. consistently successful programs yeah on campus yeah and it and I know that we're the minority most people it's not a revenue sport it's not a revenue producing sport but you and I we, we love our Georgia tennis men's and women's tennis and we've got a nice new grandstand the Damago tennis complex looks great but we really need an indoor facility a new one badly well, they
1: got a really like old football building
0: well see that's i mean but being built but and i understand the frustration like some of you say some of the smaller sports get kind of left out but you have to take care of football number one because that is what provides revenue for all the other sports it pays for their scholarships pays for everything it's like if 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 tennis and i love tennis i
1: understand but i think that we could share some of that money that's in the reserve. Well, what we
0: really need is like we need someone like Lindsey Hopkins back in the day to come in and say, "Okay, I'm going to do- donate a lot of money and specifically earmark for an indoor tennis facility." That's why it's the Lindsey Hopkins indoor tennis courts, is because he donated a lot of money for the, those original courts to be built 40 years ago. So, if I had a lot of money, I would donate. <laughs> now, what I I will happily donate what I have, but it's not going to be enough to. I don't
1: think five dollars is going to. It's
0: it. not going to be enough to build a new indoor tennis facility of the kind that, that we deserve here in Athens. Uh, but, but he's been intimately involved in developing and managing those projects. You mentioned the Buttsmere facility project right now. He's been intimately involved in that, uh, whether it's the West End Zone Project, the indoor practice facility, all of those things. He's done that. He's been in the weeds with all of those projects. And that's a huge part of doing the job of the athletic director. Hiring and firing coaches, I, I can't necessarily speak directly on that. I know he was AD for a year or so at Millsaps. So I'm sure he was – obviously, he was involved in that there. Uh, but I don't know. That's the one thing I would say. I, I don't know how he's going to manage that, because you know it's one thing to be the deputy athletic director. Like you have certain relationships. It's a certain type of relationship with these coaches. Yes, you're kind of the uh, an authority figure in a way, and a supervisor in a way. But you're not the guy who's going to be hiring and firing them. So that might change some of the relationships. It's going to be interesting to see how that how that works. But everything I know about Josh in terms of how he handles people, I think he'll be perfectly fine there. And I know he expects the best for our program. And another big thing. So what I mentioned when. McGarry first announced his retirement. Josh knows football. He understands, not just, not, I'm not talking about the X's and O's in football. I'm talking about like the inner workings of a major Power Five football program like Georgia. Let's not forget, he was a former football ops guy here under Mark Grigg, and he's been recently, as, as the deputy AD, one of his responsibilities was he was the football sports facilitator. So he knows Kirby, he knows how a football program works. I mean, that's what, that's what football ops guys do. They basically run the, the program, more or less, them and the head coach there's kind of like the right hand man of the head coach. So he's got that intimate familiarity with football. And let's be real guys. I know Charlie, we love tennis. We love other programs here on campus as well. It might not get as much love, but the number one priority is football has got to be healthy. Football's got to be healthy because that is the face in the SEC. That is the face of your program. That's what people recognize as Georgia, as the university of Georgia is your football program. Is football healthy? Cause that brings in the money. That is, that, that is your reputation there. Uh, the other sports are fantastic, but on a national scale, they don't always register. Football registers. And I think football will be as healthy as ever under Josh Brooks. I also think Josh is a really innovative guy. He's, and on top of that, he's innovative, but also willing to learn. Like For example, uh, if you've been in Sanford Stadium since the uh, Notre Dame game when we went to South Bend, Sanford Stadium inside, there's a ton of new graphics all over the place. And Josh got that idea from, being, from going to Notre Dame, going to Notre Dame Stadium, and seeing how they honored all their, their rich tradition. And with the graphics, all of this, which is really cool. Going inside the stadium and touring that stadium was was awesome. The day before the game on Friday, um, and Josh took some of those ideas that he discovered at Notre Dame and implemented them here in Athens. So he's he's willing to be innovative, but also willing to learn from other programs. I mean, I know one of the criticisms of hiring an in-house guy is well, they're just complacent. They just it's the same old ideas recycled over and over again. I don't think that's Josh Brooks. He ha- he's actually there's evidence that he actually is not going to be that kind of guy. That He's actually going to take ideas from other places, learn, implement new things. So I love that about him. And I'll just say this. like Everything that Josh Brooks has touched at Georgia has turned to gold. It's been a massive success. Whether it's new facilities, improvements to Sanford Stadium with the graphics and whatnot, uh, the Jason Aldean concert. Did you go to that, Charlie, back in the day?
1: No, I hate concerts. You,
0: you, yeah, you're not a concert kind of no. person. I but mean, I'm
1: sure other people really enjoyed it. And I, know I did not wa- go either. I know he wants to have another one when it's safe. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I
0: did Are you a country music fan? Is I, that why you didn't go, or are you just like, no concerts? I don't
1: concerts? really care about concerts. They just yeah, wanna, you're just... Because they, you're not, not a fun
0: person. Let's just be real. I'm
1: not. They're not entertaining to me.
0: Oh, I love concerts. I mean,
1: there can be good people watching, but it's loud and they're obnoxious. I like smaller concerts. Big no concerts things.
0: don't do much for me. Uh, and I'm just, I know this is blasphemous here in the state of Georgia. I know a lot of our fans are, I'm sure, big country music fans. I'm not a country music kind of guy. Just Especially like Jason Aldean version of country. It ain't my thing. Which is cool. Everyone else can love it. It's just not my cup of tea necessarily but anyway everything i've heard was that it was a everyone that i know that went said it was awesome it was a rousing success was a um a big time thing for for athens here and i I know this is a thing that people will kind of overlook but charlie you got to admit when you look around you watch football games on saturdays you got to say georgia's turf isn't it like some of the best turf anywhere in the country like when you look at our field doesn't it even like in the middle of winter sure doesn't it look awesome compared to like Tennessee and some of those trash fields right yeah and no one cares about that but Josh has been in charge of turf management I think we have the prettiest field in all of college football and Josh has been in charge of that and and the guy loves Georgia he wants us to be the best at everything and from people that have that I know that have kind of interacted directly with him I've I've never met Josh so I can't speak directly but everyone everything I've heard about him is that he's just an, an awesome guy I've heard glowing things about him uh, and again, yeah, we could have, you're you're right, Scott, we could have gone out and gotten a hired gun. Sure. And maybe that would have been a home run hire. But it's also really risky. It could absolutely blow up in your face. Just ask Texas, it uh, was about five or six years ago. They had they had this whole fiasco with, with Scott Patterson they brought in, and he wasn't a Texas guy, didn't really understand the landscape there, and it was a colossal affair. They had I think they had to fire him within two years. So I'm not saying that would definitely happen, but it's a possibility. It's really risky to hire someone that you don't really know, someone that doesn't know the program, doesn't know the people. If you have an in-house guy that you believe in, like Josh Brooks, that's been groomed for the job, I think you go with him because so much of that job, it really is, it comes back to relationships and understanding the landscape of the program, and Josh has that down. He has relationships built in with the big boosters here in Athens, the important people. He understands the landscape. Um, If you go and hire that big shot outsider, it might not be as smooth as sailing. So do you have the possibility of complacency? Sure. It's always possible when you hire an in-house guy, but everything that I know about Josh says that that's just not who Josh Brooks is. So I, I think this is a great hire. I advocated on his behalf. not that anyone listens to me when McGurdy first announced his retirement. So I, for one, am very excited that he ultimately ended up getting the job, even if it might've been predictable.
1: Jerry is very excited about the 2021 season, and he already wants to know where you think the dogs should be ranked in the preseason for next year.
0: What do you think, Charlie? Should we be in the top three, top five, number one?
1: Well, I know the
0: season just ended.
1: I mean, Clemson's going to have a good quarterback.
0: Can you say his name?
1: No. All right, re- no.
0: repeat after me: Uwe, Uwe Unga Lale. No, Uwe, Uwe Unga Lale. There it. we go. Um, I can't Ohio do math State, I can pronounce names.
1: Justin Fields is gone.
0: But they'll always be up. They're talented.
1: Yeah. Alabama. CJ
0: Stroud's going to be good for them. Yeah. Bama's I always going to be there.
1: Yeah. Top five, maybe. But that doesn't mean anything to me.
0: No, it doesn't mean anything, but it well, it doesn't mean anything on the field, but it does mean things in terms of reputation, Let's recruiting. It. You've
1: been saying for years that we're going to, like, this is the year. This is the year. Oh, is going to be the Whoa. year. This is going to be the I year. Whoa, I feel attacked. I am yet to see... The year.
0: Calm down. Calm yeah, to down. See it, Calm down.
1: You've been calling it for years, and, and I have been. Is, and
0: have I not, not been? And have I not been extraordinarily close? Oh, I don't know. We came a play away in overtime for winning it in 2017.
1: Second and 26.
0: Why do you do such things?
1: Because it makes you mad. Why? Because it's funny.
0: I got this. Is that's not funny. Some things are funny. That's not funny.
1: Uh, yeah. yes. It's it's not, not funny. Bad. Okay. It's not nice of me cause
0: it, <laughs> no, because now I.
1: Now your whole day's ruined.
0: I mean. It's not cool, man. Well, we were close there. Look, we're at the point with the talent that we have that we can win it on any any given year.
1: Yeah, but until any we're given consistently year, consistently in the playoffs. I, yeah.
0: Well, the, the the reason that we're we we have not been consistent in the playoffs is because we Here's have this we thing. have this team called Alabama in Here's the SEC.
1: The I am hopeful, but I don't expect.
0: To be in the playoffs. Well, we're, we, we're not Clemson. We don't have the luxury of being able to cakewalk through the ACC every year. We're right, not so all Oklahoma. Just, we don't I have the luxury just to cakewalk into the Big 12. because uh, it
1: hasn't turned out too well in the past.
0: No, but we've also been like right there. Okay. One time. Twice. In 2018, 2008. we had Alabama beat in the SEC championship game. I'm not saying we would have won yeah, the national title. Yeah, and
1: I was there. And yeah, what happened, I know. I got too excited. Yes. and then it got. But again, in my face. but
0: again, we were right there. So all I'm saying is, we have the talent. So again,
1: next time, okay, next year SEC championship. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna sit there the whole time, and I'm not gonna jump. Oh, so you're you're, you're go ahead and,
0: and you're penciling us in the SEC title game already. I mean, Let's I'm go. just
1: saying. I think you're right. It's not gonna be Florida. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Calling your shot? No, I don't think it'll be Florida. They I might mean, be looking for a head coach or long. I just long. I'm
1: just not gonna get that excited anymore because every time it's just like meh.
0: No, I, I understand that. Nope. The gun shy nature. I get that. But you have to admit the way we're recruiting, we are as talented as any team in America. And it it's just, like things have to go our way. Balls have to bounce our way, things have to happen. And like we just haven't honestly, like, you have to get lucky sometimes. actually most of these teams get we lucky. We haven't somewhere. gotten lucky. No, we haven't, but Luck is is a fickle beast. May
1: I remind you, second and twenty six?
0: <laughs> can we end the show?
1: That's the opposite. Can we be done? Can we be done? Well, we have. Uh, do I have the authority
0: uh, to fire you on the off the show? Five more
1: questions. Can I
0: fire you off the show? Do I have that authority? And I don't think I've actually
1: bro. answered Jerry's question yet.
0: Yeah. Because, well, okay. Where do I think we should be ranked? Right? Well, we're talking about that. So Clemson will be up there for sure. That's gonna be an awesome game over the season. Let's go! We better have a full season. We better be able to play that I game. How Dabo
1: feels you, about know Ohio State you know what's gonna happen? You know what's gonna
0: happen? Because North Carolina has been like very strict with their COVID rules. Watch, they're not gonna let, let any fans come to that game and the games going to get moved to Atlanta. Watch, and I'm gonna be pissed. Everyone else is gonna be really happy because oh it's going, cool. we get to go, it's in Atlanta. I'm like, man, can we just not can we go somewhere else besides Atlanta? Can we just I don't Charlotte's a fun a, town, man? I don't
1: think it'll be a full stadium anyways. In Atlanta? Anyway. In September? Anywhere. No, I don't.
0: Okay, I don't even want to think about that right now. You're just really being a downer today.
1: You brought it up.
0: Okay, well, I don't want to think about that. I'm giving that. you my But I just want to play them. I want to be there. That's going to be awesome. So, but that's They'll be up there. Oklahoma, you know Oklahoma. The way they beat Florida, the way they really end the season, they're going to be up there. They had a lot of young players, a young quarterback. He's back for a second year. That's going to be a team that's going to be probably the top three. Alabama will be up there. We know that. Uh, Bryce Young coming coming back. Well, He'll, he'll be their quarterback next year. Iowa State? You think Iowa State will be up there? Quarterback Bryce Brock Purdy announced he's coming back. Brees Maybe Hall's for coming like
1: back. a second.
0: But I'm talking preseason. Yeah. Like I, I, don't. Will they be top five? I think they'll certainly be top ten. I think they'll be pushing top five because people love that underdog story. USC. I know they lost the Pac-12 title game to uh, to Oregon, but they were undefeated going into that game. They get Slovis coming back. You don't think Florida will be in that conversation in the preseason? No. No, was way too much. But Emory Jones is already getting talk about being a Heisman Trophy candidate, which is crazy to me. And maybe I'll be wrong there. I I, I, probably, I wouldn't have said that Kyle Trask would have been a Heisman Trophy candidate coming in last year, but it ended up happening. Maybe. North Carolina? What about North Carolina? Sam Howell?
1: Yeah, maybe. They'll be out there.
0: I think we'll be... I think we should definitely be no question inside the top five. With what we have coming back, with J.D. Daniels coming back, think about the skill and talent that we have, that we that we know we're going to have coming back. We've got... George Pickens, coming back in his junior year, he really made strides late in the season once he got healthy. Jermaine Burton, who started for us all year long, made some big plays down the stretch for us. Kyrus Jackson's coming back. Uh, Darnell Washington really started to come on late in the season. And we're not even talking about possibly getting Eric Gilbert, potentially getting him from the transfer portal. I think we have a question about that later on. Dominic Blaylock, remember that name, Charlie?
1: Yeah.
0: I know he's got two ACLs, but that...
1: Everyone has two
0: ages. Yeah, everyone. I mean, Zeus, we saw him come back. And he tore the one most recent one in September. So he should be back ready to go. Uh, I, I think and Arian Smith, like, oh, my God, Arian Smith might destroy people. So the skill talent we have, and I know oh, we'll see what happens with Zeus, but James Cook coming back, Kenny McIntosh coming back. Skill talent-wise, offensively, we're going to be loaded. And I love Todd Munkinoff's coordinator. Defensively, we're losing some guys. But I think we have a question about this later on. But we have some dudes coming Devontae Wyatt coming back was huge. If we can get Jordan Davis coming back, that's a monster get. That's, that's, that's the number one recruit for Kirby Smart this year. In my book, I know it's not technically a recruit, but recruiting him back would be incredible. I love what we have inside linebacker. I know we're losing Zizo Ojolari, but look, we saw what Nolan Smith, we saw what Adam Anderson can do coming off the edge. I think we're going to be, maybe, we, might, we might take a slight step back defensively, maybe. But I think what we'll gain offensively, Will more than compensate for that. So I think top five definitely, I would say borderline top three. I, I I think it's certainly defensible to have Georgia inside the top three. Bama's gonna be number one. Ohio State will be up in that conversation. I think Oklahoma will probably be in the top three. So I would I, I honestly I think it'll be probably Bama, Oklahoma, and Georgia top three. That's what I'm gonna say.
1: That's <laughs> my guess.
0: Oklahoma. They're going to get all the love. With how they end the season, beating Florida by 35 points, you got Spencer Rattler coming back. Everyone loves Lincoln Riley, all the offense, the way their defense improved this year. They're definitely going to be in the top three. Book that. I think we'll be there too. Or right. just outside. All right, what's up next?
1: All right, next up, Barry wants to know the players that have already declared for the NFL draft, which ones hurt the most? Ones or lose? which
0: one hurts the most?
1: Which, we'll, we'll do singular.
0: Okay, which one hurts my, the most my to My
1: opinion might be Richard LeCount.
0: But we knew, like, he was a senior. He was going to go.
1: Yeah. I guess everyone
0: technically could have come back this year, right? So I guess that makes sense. They all could have come back with an extra year.
1: Out of anyone who we're losing,
0: out of anyone. Which
1: one hurts the most? I mean, which will put us in a tough spot.
0: I think it's one of the cornerbacks. I think either Eric Stokes or Tyson. I would say Eric Stokes, I think he was better than Campbell. I think Campbell has a higher ceiling than Stokes athletically and physically, but he's not as far along his development. And we are. Losing both of those guys now that Tyson Campbell, if you guys haven't seen it today, declare that he's officially going pro along with Eric Stokes, who announced that prior to the bowl game. Ah oh, man, I would say Eric Stokes we're just we're so we're gonna be so thin at cornerback. And I know there's some smoke and some talk that that Tyreek Stevenson might potentially be looking at a transfer back home to Miami. And if that happens on top of losing Stokes and Campbell. Oh, we're gonna. I mean, we're gonna have a lot of inexperience in the secondary next year, and uh, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to find some sort of grad transfers on the, or some sort of cornerbacks in the transfer portal, because man, we're gonna have basically no experience whatsoever. Hopefully, Stevenson sticks around. I think he's. What I'm hearing is that he's leaning towards that, but he's certainly given it some consideration, which kind of drives me crazy. This guy's not in the transfer portal, but yet, like, he's considering a transfer to Miami. So obviously, Miami's doing some back channel. communicating with his family right in some way which is just ridiculous but you know that's happening Eh. uh so i would say tyson campbell or i'm sorry eric stokes or tyson campbell i would go with eric stokes to be the one because we just don't have the experience there all
1: right and then he also wants to know of the players that decided to come back which one is the most important to keep uh jt daniels
0: that's is that the obvious answer yeah that's gotta be the obvious.
1: okay so if it wasn't jt daniels who else
0: well jordan davis we're still waiting on his official announcement If Jordan Davis announces he's coming back, it's hands down Jordan Davis outside of JT Daniels. Because Jordan Davis, like what I've said before, is he's so good at what he does. But he also, like, he's one of a kind on our roster. We don't have another player on our roster that can do what he does the way he does it. We don't have a body like that. That big, physical guy, just massive, hulking human being. That can move like he does. Did you guys see him? Do you, I mean, you, we saw against Cincinnati, but you see it game in and game out. The guy just chasing guys down the field, moving the way he moves at that size. We don't have a dude that does that. We don't have anyone like that. We have some guys that can get the job done, but not dominate the way that Jordan Davis dominates. And the, our rush defense is the was has been the key to our defense for years, and I think he's been the key to our rush defense for the past two seasons. Uh, when he's on the game, we are a different animal. I like think back three years ago when he first got inserted in the starting lineup. In 2018, as a freshman, about halfway through the year, our rush defense instantly changed. Remember early in that season, guys? We were getting killed in the ground. Insert Jordan Davis. All of a sudden, we're a different animal against the run. That was a huge difference. So if it's not JT Daniels, which I think it is, uh, because he's just the the key to our offense clicking. We've gone over the numbers and the differences before JT Daniels and after JT Daniels. And the guy that didn't even play well, probably played his worst game of the season against Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl and still threw for almost 400 yards. Uh, But if it's not him, it's got to be Jordan Davis. And And we haven't officially gotten word yet but what i'm hearing is that he's leaning more towards coming back so um let's go jordan davis it's great to get cook back too like i know james cook's a big one to get back but i think we we have plenty of guys the running back whether it's Kendall milton or, or kenny mcintosh maybe even Dejan edwards that can get that job done
1: yeah all right next up sam wants to know if you've heard anything about will muschamp joining the georgia staff i know we've heard rumors that he's been looking he's been for high schools for his younger son
0: yeah, one of my buddies texted me a couple weeks ago. I was like, I just saw Will Muschamp at Five Bar. I was like, cool. Okay, he's hanging out.
1: All right, and if, if he does join the staff, what position will he take?
0: I don't see Will Muschamp being on our coaching staff, like taking an official on-the-field coaching job because we don't have one available. It, I mean, I just don't see Will Muschamp taking an on-the-field coaching job that's not a defensive coordinator position. Because, I, I mean, I, I, the, the reports are is that Steve Sarkeesian offered him the Texas, D.C. job, and he turned that down. If you guys – I mean, you, most of you, I'm sure, know this, but his son Jackson is a walk-on, preferred walk-on here on our program at, at, at Georgia. And he, I think, wants to be close to his son. Uh, I know he's been looking at high schools here in the area, probably up up at ACAD or Prince, something like that. Um, but he's been looking at – because he has a younger son who's in high school. His other son is on the team here in Athens. The guy – South Carolina owed him his full buyout when they fired him. I think it was like $15 million, something like that. So he does not need the money at all. He can take a year or two off, spend the time with his family. I think it's close to his lake house here. Um, So I I do think what I've heard, and I do think this is going to happen, what I've been told is that he has been in our meetings with our staff recently, and I think he's probably going to be one of those kind of off-the-field analyst-type guys um, and just kind of, I don't say be part-time, but just not have the stress of having to recruit and being on the field type guy. It's sort of a more low-profile position. He can be with one of his, his good buddies and Kirby Smart, He'd be around his son a lot more. His family can, can kind of just take a break, relocate to a great town here in Athens for at least for a little while. So I think at least for this next year, he'll probably be a part of our support staff. Um, I think that was the only answer. Like if he doesn't take a defensive coordinator job somewhere else, he's staying here in Athens, to be close to his family and just kind of help us out as a, as a member of our support staff. I think that's what's ultimately going to happen. Maybe an analyst role, something like that.
1: All right. Next up, Will asks about Eric Gilbert and he, because he is now officially in the portal. He wants to know what percentage chance you would give Georgia of landing him as a transfer. Yeah, I think
0: we've gotten a similar question to this. When he like, there was first news that he might be transferring and now it's official that he's in the portal. At least Coach O came out and said that he's in the portal, although I, what I heard is that he was not actually officially in the portal. I think it takes like a couple of days for the paperwork to go through and officially hit it. but it sounds like he's transferring. But I, I think Georgia... I would lean towards us being able to land him, but I don't think it's a done deal necessarily. I know Tennessee's going to be heavily involved. A couple of his former high school teammates, Ramel Keaton and Harrison Bailey, the quarterback at Tennessee, they're up there. Those are former teammates. He knows those guys. He's close with them. That would make sense as a landing spot. Although, like I... Like Charlie right now if you were a big time transfer like could basically have your pick of anywhere in the country to go are you transferring to Tennessee right now? No. I mean first off, do you want to play for Jeremy Pruitt?
1: Um I think everyone here knows my opinion of yeah. Jeremy Pruitt. Nada. No.
0: And they've got all the uh, there's this investigation swirling around Tennessee with recruiting violations. I mean there I think they have like Double-digit players going to the transfer portal right now is what I've heard most recently. There's multiple coaches that aren't going to be returning. Like That's just not a situation that I want to walk into. He might be gone for this year. Heck, he might be gone before before next season even starts. I mean, there's still time for him to be fired. So I wouldn't walk into that, but I wouldn't discount them. I know Alabama was heavily involved in his recruitment from the get-go and what they've done offensively, putting up big numbers for guys, putting those guys in the league, winning Heisman trophies. I know he's not a receiver, but he kind of is a receiver. He's a receiving tight end. Uh, that's certainly a program that you got to watch out for. But if the reason for transferring is what we've heard is that he wants to be closer to home, Georgia makes the most sense. We were heavily involved in his recruitment from the get go. He's actually close with Jermaine Burton. Jermaine Burton, he was, I think they were like, Jermaine Burton was recruited by Gilbert to play at Marietta with him before Burton had to relocate to California. He was Calabasas with his family, so they know each other. They're tight. They're close. Uh, he saw what our offense was able to do with J.D. Daniels down the stretch. Uh, we, he saw us try to get the tight ends more involved down the stretch with Darnell Washington. So I think we have a really good shot. I don't think it's a done deal. I, and look, I, I don't know, man. I, I've never talked to Eric Gilbert. I don't call him and talk to him, and I don't have sources like that when it comes to recruiting necessarily. Um, but I would say from what I have heard around town, and look, I, just, I'll take it with a grain of salt because I haven't heard anything really hard about it. But I would say I'd put it right about 75%.
1: This next question is from Philip, and it's also about Eric Gilbert he says that yeah he's in the transfer transfer portal but do we really even want him? Because Darno Washington really started to develop later in the season and taking Gilbert as a transfer might lead Washington to transfer. What do you think?
0: Oh, I think no questions asked. You take if Eric Gilbert wants to come to Georgia, you don't even think about it. You say, "Yes, sir. Absolutely. We've got a spot for you." Eric Gilbert is a game changer. I understand you're saying like do we have enough balls to go around? You have George Pickens, Jermaine Burton, Keris Jackson, Darnell Washington. But guys, can you imagine if if, if word comes out later down the stretch, if, if we if like he wants to come to Athens and we say no, we have Darnell Washington, we're good. And let's say he goes to Alabama or goes to Tennessee and he like murders us in the SEC championship game or something he goes to Alabama. Like, can you think about like how much Kirby Smart would, would get killed in the media? You've got to take Eric Gilbert. That guy is a modern day, game-changing receiving tight end. If you like we've talked all season about how the key to winning at the highest level, yeah, you gotta be good on defense. You can't be terrible on defense, you gotta be good on defense. But more than anything, you've got to be elite on offense. You have to be able to outscore people. And to be able to outscore people, you have to have elite game-changing playmakers. And that is what Eric Gilbert is. I mean, that guy is a monster. And like I understand, you say, Well, we have Darnell Washington, would that upset him? Like, would that would he get his feelings all hurt? I would say, first off, get over it, man. That this is football, right? You gotta have multiple players. It's next man up, right? But anyway, Todd Munkin loves. I mean, you guys watch this play all year. He loves to use 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends on the field. Because it creates a lot of mismatch problems if those tight ends are guys that can actually go out there, run routes, catch the football, use athleticism. That's what Eric Gilbert does. We've seen that from Darnell Washington. Gilbert gives you something. I think Gilbert actually gives you even more athleticism than Darnell Washington. No, he's not as big and physical as a blocker. Of course, he's not that guy. But in terms of being able to go out there and run routes, he's a more athletic player than Darnell Washington is. Different kind of player, but a more athletic player. He just gives you different. Different, you can do different things with him. He gives you more versatility. And I think Todd Monkey would absolutely be able to build a dynamic offense with both Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington. I don't think it has to be either or. It can be both. It can absolutely be both. I mean, look at Iowa State. I know those guys don't have the, the Titans that are as talented as, as at least from a physical standpoint, athleticism standpoint, as Gilbert and Washington. But they use three Titans on the field a lot and to great effect. Use a lot of uh, Titans out there to create mismatches. Um, creative advantages in the run game and the passing game and I think absolutely we can do that with Eric Gilbert I and mean, he would be more than a welcome addition I mean you have to take Eric, Eric Gilbert it is a no-brainer you don't even think about it just don't even think about it sure yeah sure yeah. you wouldn't take him I mean yeah I mean, you watched him play a little bit of LSU this year. You're telling me you're going to turn down a guy like that when we've had we, we have had have had issues in the past outscoring people and being good enough on offense. No, you I can't just turn down. People
1: up. really like Darnell Washington.
0: I, I know. Too. See, you love Darnell Washington. I, I think he might be your new favorite player. He
1: probably is.
0: Just because he's tall. I just unique.
1: He seems like a nice kid.
0: How can you possibly gather that? I'm sure he is, but how do you know that? I
1: don't know. It just seems like
0: it. We'll go with it.
1: Like the way he runs. The big guy. To be He's able a run. Big like dude. That. Run
0: over people. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: All right, last question of the day is from Corey. He says it was reported on the broadcast of the state championship game that Brock Vandergriff has been dealing with a knee injury all season and might require surgery. I he wants to know what we've heard. Yeah. I have heard I heard that rumor, but then I heard that his father said that no surgery won't be required. You read that? I did read yes, that, yes. but I don't remember where. So who? There's no telling. Yes. What would yeah, you like yeah.
0: to say? Um, I mean, you basically nailed it there. You're right. Uh, if you guys didn't hear that with the championship game, and it, and we knew that like I that he was dealing with an injury most of the season. It comes out after the game. It, I think it was you might you and I might have read the same article. Um, but his dad said that he's been dealing with this injury. I think since week four, and they just basically were trying to not run him as much as possible. It they was still PCL right? PCL PCL. Um, and it basically got torn. After week four, they went to the doctor. I think his dad's like 10 days after the injury, and it's like, okay. But I'll say this about Brock, too. That is a tough dude. I mean, this if you go back to last year. Uh, was it his ankle or his leg? It might have been his ankle. He, he had a, a break. I think it was either his leg or his ankle. And missed some, a lot of time throughout last year. And uh, he played on that for a full game, if my memory serves me correctly, before he decided to shut down until he got healthy and he came back late in the year. Brock is a tough dude. I mean, not only playing on a PCL, but playing on a torn PCL, but playing at that level. I mean, come on, man. Uh, that's that's unbelievable. I know people want to give him a lot of junk about playing for 1A Pride, which is the lowest classification here in Georgia. And I understand that, but come on, that toughness is awesome. That'll win you a lot of a lot of credit with your teammates. There's no doubt about it. But there's good news. Yes, he has been dealing with the PCL injury. From what I hear, it has been torn. But I've also, like Charlie said, heard that it would not require surgery. And what I've heard around town here in Athens is that he should actually be ready to go for spring practice, which when I initially heard that he had torn his PCL, I knew he was dealing with an injury. I didn't know exactly what it was, but when I heard it was the PCL, I thought he'd probably be out for spring. I thought he might at least deal with some sort of minor surgery. I'm not a a knee expert when it comes to those kind of things, but apparently as of right now, it seems like he does not need surgery. That's the word. And um, he should be ready to go for spring practice. Which would be huge. I mean, JT Daniels is going to be the guy next year. But JT Daniels, we know, we know, we well know, has been dealing with injuries of his own. And he actually is—he had to get his knee cleaned up um, after the Peach Bowl. And uh, hopefully he'll be back for spring practice. It's not, it's, I think it's, from what I understand, it's pretty routine when you have an injury like he had. Sometimes those things, you just got to go in there and clean it up. Um, so he should be hopefully good to go. But um, with his injury, you need a guy that you trust as your backup. And we know Dwan Mathis is gone. we got Stetson there, and he can, he can help you in a pinch, but we're not going to win anything big time with him as a full-time starting quarterback. Carson Beck's still around. I think he's going to at least battle for that job after JT Daniels leaves. But it'd be really nice to have Brock Vandegrafe healthy and ready to go if something does happen to JT. I mean, God forbid. Obviously, we don't want that to happen. I want JT to be the guy next year. But it'd be nice to have Brock there competing to be the backup with his skill set, his athleticism, and his ability, um, just in case something, again, God forbid, happens to JT next year or sometime in the preseason. I don't want to think about it, but it would be nice to have Brock. And from what I understand, it seems like he would be ready to go for spring practice. We'll see if it's full speed, but that's what I'm hearing right now. We'll certainly keep you guys updated if we hear anything else. But that is the word right now. Uh, And that's it, Charlie, right, for today?
1: That's it for today. All right,
0: guys. Well, that's the first batch of questions here for the Postseason Mailbag. I know we've got a bunch more to get to. I promise you we're not trying to ignore anybody. We'll get to all the questions that we're sending. We love all you guys. We appreciate your interaction, you sending questions in. And we will close the mailbag out next week. So make sure to check back for that. But thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go Doll.